0: We thank you that God is with us. We thank you that as we approach this month, this Advent, this Christmas season, we come as your people from centuries and centuries before us have come, waiting, waiting for you. So, Father, this Christmas season, would you come to us? We see you, feel you, know you, experience you in all possible ways. Would your Holy Spirit move in our lives, in our community, in our church? Move through our hands and feet to the world around us. Teach us to love better. We pray this in the name of the one who came. Amen. And be seated. Well, once again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. We are. Ag- we're so thrilled to be able to spend this season together glad you're here as we kick it off today do want to mention a couple of things as i said we've got a lot of things going on you probably noticed as you pulled up to the building today or as you walk through the atrium uh, we are gearing up for our uh, to bring back our annual christmas craft workshop uh, that is tonight and we hope that you'll be here and you'll bring the kids and the grandkids uh, just to, for a wonderful time this is a fundraiser for our uh, middle school and high school summer trips and so at 5:30 there'll be a dinner a free will offering dinner the crafts you kick in a couple bucks and that's all goes to fundraising there's a cookie table we actually got the cookie table set up now so between services after service you can get you a little something before you go uh, all that is fundraisers for our summer trips or mission trips things like that and uh, we hope that you'll be here tonight just a great time to be together kind of begin the christmas season um i'm not a crafty person i know that's hard for you to believe but my daughter loves this thing and I can't wait to chase her around and watch her make this stuff tonight And uh, I'll let her do the crafting. I'll just do the paying and that, that works really really well in our family uh, But we hope that you'll be here tonight I hope I get to see you and we'll share some uh, some time around tables uh, together this evening at our Christmas craft workshop I also want to go ahead and mention to you um, our Christmas Eve services We are by the way going to do that on the 24th this year no, really, nothing, nothing, 24th, that's Christmas, yeah, Christmas Eve services, we'll have two Christmas Eve services in person at 5.30 and at 7 o'clock, they will be live streamed, if you can't make it with us, we hope you'll participate uh, on our live stream uh, with us at 5.30 and at 7, but we really hope that you'll be able to be in the room with us on Christmas Eve this year, 5.30 and 7 o'clock that night, uh, and uh, make that a part of your family's plans for your celebrations on Christmas Eve, and one more Christmas note to give, uh, we have partnered with the New Philadelphia Schools, and received uh, a, a, the name names of a couple of families uh, that we want to bless this Christmas. Some families in our community who are in a legitimate need and we're excited to help give these families a Christmas. As you leave the uh, the, the building uh, this morning, walk out in the atrium, over by where the coffee pots are, over by the kitchen, there's a couple of Christmas trees with some gift tags on them. Uh, we would love for you to take one or ten of those tags and fill those gifts. Make those, go buy those gifts, uh, bring them back next week or the week after, wrapped with that tag on the outside, so we'll be sure we get the right presents to the right people. Uh, bring that gift back this uh, next Sunday or the Sunday after, and we'll get those to those families that we're going to bless this year uh, in our community, in our our town through our school system and uh, we hope that you'll participate in that uh, act of generosity and giving well welcome home Uh, that's been our theme and we're continuing this theme even through christmas using this imagery of home and welcome home and coming home i'll be home for christmas all those things uh, to get us started even in our christmas season this year so welcome home and as we begin our christmas teaching series there's no better way i think to talk about christmas Then for us to go way back in the Bible to the Old Testament, way, way back to Genesis chapter 32, to a story to a man that has literally almost nothing to do with Christmas. But that's where we're going. His name is Jacob. We're going to read a little bit about Jacob this morning in Genesis 32. I'm going to read uh, the kind of the highlight of his life, the the couple of verses, kind of his key moment in his life in just a second. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, oh, I remember Jacob. We talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, that's the one. We talked about Jacob before. Uh, Some of you I know are thinking because because i just know the way it works you're thinking yeah i don't know a lot about jacob i don't know who this is don't worry we'll catch you up in a minute if you don't know who jacob is we'll catch you up in just a second let me read this passage to you we're going to pick up jacob's story it's a big story we're going to pick up the story about three quarters of the way through his life so he, he about three quarters of the way through his life if you don't know anything about jacob it's okay we'll catch you up in just a second here we go genesis 32 beginning of verse 22 during the night jacob got up and took his two wives does anybody have any questions yet You should. All right. He took his two wives, his two servant wives. Got any more questions? Okay. His 11 sons, that kind of makes sense with all the wives, okay, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all of his possessions. This left Jacob alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Spoiler alert, the man... We're not exactly sure who the man is. We know it's God in some form. It's either an angel, God's messenger, who's wrestling with Jacob. A lot of commentators believe this is actually Jesus himself wrestling with Jacob in the middle of the night. Verse 25. When the man saw that he would not win the match, Jacob must have been pretty strong, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of the socket. Then the man said, let me go. For the dawn is breaking, but Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Hold on to Jacob's story for just a minute. We're going to get right back to it. Do you have your Christmas tree up yet? We put our Christmas tree up this week. It's a lovely little thing. We're we're proud of it. We have two Christmas trees at our house. We have the main Christmas tree in the living room. It's a real Christmas tree because we're real Christians. We we don't use the fake ones. I'm kidding. I'm kidding because we also have a fake one. Our fake one, though, is silver. It's one of those old-school tinsel trees. You know what I'm talking about? Um, It's got the little wheel of light that, that turns and then light changes the color of the light. It's retro. As my kids tell me I am also retro right uh, retro uh, we, we we love Christmas at our house we've decorated for Christmas we actually got to help decorate my mom and dad's house over Thanksgiving break down in Tennessee Christmas trees are a big deal this time of year they're kind of the centerpiece of what we do that's why when we started talking about our decorations for Christmas this year I told Miss Donna I said we just I need trees on the stage because we're talking about Christmas trees this year and I wanted trees on our stage and trees in our atrium in our facility You know trees actually play a pretty big role in the bible They're used both literally and metaphorically all throughout scripture from genesis to revelation in genesis We see that god places a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of knowledge And the message of that tree was god saying to the first people adam and eve saying to them and saying to us You can choose To trust me Or you can choose to do your own thing But I'm going to let you choose That's God's message of the tree of knowledge of good and evil there in genesis Go all the way to the end of the bible to the book of revelation. There's another tree There's this beautiful description of the city of heaven in the book of revelation And in the middle of the city, God places another tree right in the middle. It's called the tree of life And the message of that tree in revelation is that God has promised to bring healing to the nation That's a pretty good thought right about now, isn't it? David said in the psalms that if you listen to the voice of god that your life will be planted like a tree planted by streams of living water your leaves will always be green the prophet jeremiah would say something very similar when he tells us that those who put their hope and their confidence in god are like a tree whose roots go down so deep that even though there's a drought going on above the surface that your life still produces fruit Jesus when describing our relationship with him said I am the vine and you are the branches The only thing that you need to do is stay connected to me Trees are used all over the bible They're a big big deal and when you come to the very first chapter of the very first book of the new testament the book of matthew We find another kind of tree It's actually jesus's family tree and it's one of those chapters, Matthew chapter 1, it's one of those chapters that, let's just be honest about it, we'll kind of say it like it is, this chapter gets in the way sometimes. And here's what I mean. Maybe you've been there before, maybe you're thinking already for, towards January, towards your New Year's resolutions. Maybe before your life you decided, hey, I'm going to read through the New Testament. I'm going to read right through the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, I'm going to read the New Testament. And so you open up the book of Matthew, chapter 1, and you're ready. It's like, oh, the beginning of Jesus, is going to be his birth, this is going to be great. And the first things you read, the first like page and a half of Matthew, reads like a phone book. There's just name after name after name after name. We can't even pronounce most of them. We've never heard of most of them. There are All these names. And, just, and so you give up trying to read through the Bible before you even get started because you can't get through the first... You know, first page and a half because all these names and this guy beget this guy and beget this and beget whatever I don't know what a beget is, but it's all over Matthew chapter one verse one. Listen to how it starts. I'll be honest with you, it's a little boring. Matthew one's a little boring. We're going to spend all Christmas here. You ready? (laughs) We'll try not to make it boring. Listen how it starts. Matthew one verse one and two. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. That's the guy we just read about, Jacob, back in Genesis 32. So what Matthew 1 is, and where we're going to park this Christmas time, is a Christmas tree. It's a family tree. It's the genealogy of Jesus. It's Jesus' family tree. It's, welcome home, Jesus, here's your family. And in our world today, unless you're like really into Ancestry.com, this doesn't do a lot for us. Which is why when we read Matthew 1, it's kind of a yawn passage. Because we don't get it. But in the first century Jewish world, where Matthew was writing this, this stuff was a big, big deal. Your family tree in the first century was your sense of identity. It's who you were. Your family tree told you who you were. It gave you a sense of credibility, good and bad your family tree where you came from was good and, and bad in the first century jewish world your family tree was your birth certificate your driver's license your social security card your background check all wrapped up into one thing that's how important this is in, the, in this context so when matthew sits down to write out his biography of jesus we have four biographies matthew mark luke and john when matthew sits down to write his biography of jesus he's the only gospel writer that begins with this introduction of Jesus the Messiah's family tree and the reason he begins with this is because Matthew is writing very specifically to a Jewish audience and this is a big 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 deal to them so it is not surprising or it shouldn't be surprising that Matthew begins his, his, his biography of Jesus with this family tree what is surprising is who matthew decides to include on the list you see matthew doesn't edit out any of the embarrassing family members i mean we all do that right there's family members in your house that when you talk about them you whisper their name oh yeah there's aunt sally and uncle jake and uncle steve we don't talk about uncle steve you you, you know how, how that is right we we all have that person i can't believe i'm to that person. I can't believe he came to Christmas again this year. Matthew includes all the embarrassing people. Matthew also includes men, which is not surprising. This was a patriarchal society that Matthew was writing to. What is surprising is that Matthew includes the names of many, many women in this, in this genealogy. That's very surprising. We'll get to some of those in a couple weeks. He also includes liars and cheats and manipulators and adulterers and prostitutes because Jesus was related to some pretty embarrassing people. And here's what that says to you and me. That Jesus came through imperfect people because Jesus came for imperfect people. And so Matthew doesn't clean any of it up. Matthew said, this is Jesus' family line. And if I were going to describe Jesus' family tree as a Christmas tree, I wouldn't use the imagery of the big tree like at Rockefeller Center that's just perfect and huge and multiple stories tall and all the people ice skating around it. That's not Jesus' family tree. Jesus' family tree looks a little bit more like Charlie Brown's tree. You remember that one, right? The little droopy tree. That's kind of wonky. This tree's kind of wonky. Jesus' family tree was pretty messed up. And Matthew was trying to communicate something to us from this truth. So in this series this christmas season we're going to look at some of the limbs of this family tree And the first one I want to look at is this limb of jacob Now we've already read a little bit of his story today, but let me kind of catch you up on jacob's story You can read all of his story. and I hope that you will take the time to read it It's in the genesis, which is the first book of the bible Genesis beginning at chapter 25 goes all the way through his story goes all the way from genesis 25 to chapter 49 That is a huge chunk of scripture, which already tells us that we know a lot more about Jacob than we do about a lot of other of our Bible heroes. We know a whole bunch about this guy Jacob, and there's a reason why. Because God uses Jacob in a tremendous way. Jacob is a part of God's redemptive plan. But for the life of me, as I study Jacob's life, for the life of me, I can't figure out why God uses Jacob he is so imperfect Jacob is so messed up Jacob just came to keeps seeming to make a mess of things again and again and again Jacob emerges in scripture simultaneously as one of the most important figures in God's redemptive plan and also one of the messed figures messed up figures in scripture and there's something about that i gotta be honest with you there's something about that that just sort of brings me a strange amount of comfort Because if god could use somebody like jacob if somebody's messed up jacked up as jacob was Maybe god can use somebody like me or you So here's jacob's story jacob we're gonna fly through this You have to go back and read it to catch the de- figure out the details jacob was born into a dysfunctional family his mom Rebecca and his dad Isaac—they had all kinds of baggage that they brought with them into their family, uh, so they into their family from their family of origin into their family as they created in their marriage. So here's how Jacob chooses to cope with the dysfunction. He chooses to be a manipulative manipulative person. He's always scheming and telling half truths and manipulating people, trying to control situations. I don't think that Jacob was necessarily trying to be a bad guy. I think this is just how he had to cope with the dysfunction that he was dealt. Jacob was always trying to to control his circumstances. He was always trying to control other people, manipulate people. In fact, it begins at the very first, the day he was born. Uh, When we read his, his birth account in Genesis, the day he was born, he came into this world trying to control things. Jacob was a twin. He had a twin brother, Esau. And Esau was the brother, was the twin who was born first. But scripture tells us that when Esau was born, that Jacob, the, the younger brother, the one we're reading about, Jacob was actually holding on to Esau's heel. As, as if he were trying to pull him back into the womb, saying, no, me first, me first, me first. That's the picture. That's how manipulative this person is. And so his whole life, he's trying to do that. His parents, Isaac and Rebekah, they see this tendency in their son from day one as he's trying to hold his brother's heel and pull him back into the womb, so they give him the name Jacob. The name Jacob means manipulator, deceiver. And so his whole life, that's who he is, trying to control the situation by manipulating, by deceiving, by cutting corners, by telling half-truths, by manipulating situations. The most famous story from Jacob's life is when he swindles his twin brother, Esau, his older brother, by about two seconds, older brother Esau, swindles his older brother out of the family blessing. And this goes to split, just drives a wedge through the family, splits the family apart, and for most of the rest of his life, Jacob is on the run from his brother, his older brother Esau. And unfortunately, Jacob never quite learns his lesson here's the thing about jacob's life the more out of control his life got the more he tried to control by manipulating and deceiving the worse things got does that sound familiar to anybody else you guys been there too right anyone else relate to that today any professed control freaks in the room fast forward a few more years and it's time for jacob to get married he tries again tries to control and manipulate the situation and through a huge series we don't have time to talk about huge series of broken promises and deceptions and tricks not just him between him and his father-in-law actually um half-truths bold-faced lives jacob ends up married to two sisters remember the two wives from 32 si- these women are sisters and he has children with both of them leah and rachel are the, his wives names he has children with both of them he also has children with both of their servants this is the kind of family stuff that wouldn't even get you on jerry springer because it wouldn't be believable enough this is dysfunction this is chaos this is a mess And through all of his betrayals and lies Jacob is now an enemy of his father-in-law Laban who by the way just to make it a little weirder is also his uncle and he finds himself once again running for his life so he's now running uh, constantly on the run from his brother Esau and now he's also constantly on the run from his father-in-law who's also his uncle Laban and that's his life so here's the picture Jacob is on the run Esau's chasing him uncle La- uh, father-in-law uncle Laban's chasing him and he is a mess he's exhausted he's trying to control everything everything's gone to complete chaos he's got he, his life is a mess the more complicated the circumstances Jacob will just try to manage and manipulate and deceive and control and coerce to the point but that the time we finally catch up to him in chapter 32 that we read to begin this time together Jacob is utterly exhausted His health isn't good. He's not sleeping at night. He is stressed up to his eyeballs. Maybe you can relate to that Maybe you know how that feels Especially this time of year I know for some of us. We're not super excited about the month ahead Because it's so crazy It's so so busy So what do you do when your life feels out of control? How how do you handle it? When life feels out of control, do you freak out? Do you stress out? Do you drink up? When life feels out of control, do you run away? Do you worry? Do you lash out at others? Do you shut down? There's no wrong answer to this. Because it's only when you're honest about how you respond, it's only when you're honest can you begin to turn things around and begin to find a place of healing. So let me ask you the question now. When I, when I ask you, you know, how, how do you, what, what do you do when life feels out of control? What do you do? Let me just ask you, is what you do, is it working? Is it working? See, for many of us, we're like Jacob. We never quite learn our lesson. The more out of control things get, the more I try to control, the more I try to manipulate, the more I try to deceive, and I just keep ending up making a bigger and bigger and bigger mess. I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he gives us these really compassionate and empathetic words in Matthew chapter 11. He says to us, come to me, all of you, not not just some of you. Jesus says all of you, Not, not just the good ones, not just the ones that seem to have it all together, All of you, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Isn't that an incredible statement? And when Jesus talks about rest here, he's not talking about inactivity. He's He's not talking about doing nothing. He's talking about rest as a condition of your soul, peace, rest. I think Jacob would say to us, the more I tried to manipulate, the more things spun out of control, the more my self-reliance wore me out. Because it'll do that, won't it? Self-reliance will just straight up wear you out. If your identity, who you think you are, is too closely related or tied to your circumstances, the, the things that you can control, Then when things go well That success will go to your head But when things go poorly that failure is going to go to your heart and either way Whether success to your head or failure that goes to your heart either way. It's a recipe for exhaustion Because when you achieve success it goes to your head and you think well, I got to do it better the next time I got to one-up myself the next time I got to raise the bar for the next time And whenever that failure goes to your heart You just don't feel motivated to do anything. You quit trying. I don't think that Jacob was trying to be a bad guy, necessarily, when he's trying to manipulate. I just think it was that Jacob was really wrestling with his identity, with who he was, and so God looks at him with compassion, not with disdain. And so Jesus comes to him here in in chapter 32, and he's utterly exhausted when God shows up. In the story, again, it's either an angel or it's Jesus himself, and they wrestle. I think they wrestle because it's the only way that God could get his attention. I think if God would have come as a still, small voice, like he does for Isaiah later, Jacob would have just slept right through it. I think God's got to show up and, and get his attention and throw him on the ground a little bit, and they wrestle. And when the wrestling match appears to be a draw, Jacob refuses to let go unless the man blesses him. Even then, he's still trying to manipulate and to control the situation. Let me read the end of the story again. Look again what happens. Verse 27. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Remember, Jacob means deceiver, manipulator. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with god and with men and have won you know one of the things that happens over and over and over again in the bible is that when god changes somebody's life very very often god also changes their name saul becomes paul abraham abram becomes abraham so often god when god changes someone's life he also changes their name so god says to jacob You are no longer going to be Jacob. You're no longer going to be known as the deceiver, as the manipulator. You're no longer defined by your dysfunctional family. You're no longer going to be defined by the way you've manipulated and tried to control the situation. I'm changing your name, and today your name is Israel, which means, by the way, God will prevail. One Or another description of this name is one who has seen God think I think that's an invitation to every single one of us this year at Christmas time when life is maxed out and burnt out and exhausted and we're running a million miles an hour in a million different directions I think this story here in Matthew chapter 1 this reminder of Jacob's life from from Genesis 32 this is an invitation to us to have an encounter with God this year at Christmas the message of Christmas is God saying to us, I want to I give you a gift, a gift that you never even thought to ask for. I want to give you a gift that you never would, would even imagine that you would need. I want to give you a gift that you certainly don't deserve. And God's not looking at you shaming you. God is looking at you with compassion saying, I want to give you peace. I want to give you come to me all who are weary and carry a heavy burden and I will give you rest. So this Christmas season, this busy, busy month, let's have an encounter with God. The God who put skin on, the God who came through imperfect people, the God who came for imperfect people. You know, people like me people like you god thank you for coming as we celebrate who you are and what you've done this year at christmas time as we celebrate you putting on skin and coming to our our world emmanuel god with us as we honor that and celebrate that and remember that and acknowledge that in our lives god we ask you to come again into our lives come this christmas let us encounter you Let us come to you with our burden, our weariness, our desire to control and manipulate. Let us come to you and find rest, find peace. We pray today in the name of Jesus.